0: Welcome to the Star Wars Skinny, where we give you the skinny on all things Star Wars right after we get skinny. Today, it's just me. I'm going to be doing part three of my Boba Fett comics uh, series. So we're going to be talking about the canon Boba Fett comics this week. So 2015 to 2020 part four will be my last part, and we'll talk about War of the Bounty Hunters, which is really, really fun. So I haven't gotten skinny yet. I'm about to hop on the exercise bike as I listen to everything that I just talked about. And uh, depending on how many errors I made, I'll be on that bike for a while. So if it's a good episode, maybe I'll be on the bike for 40 minutes. If it's a bad one, maybe maybe an hour. We'll see. Hope it's a good one, and I hope you like it, and hope you come back. Thanks for listening. Well, we covered a couple of the Boba Fett comics of the 2010s in our last episode, part two of my Boba Fett comics series. And now we're going to cover uh, some of his canon appearances starting in 2015. So when I say canon on this show, I mean in 2015 or so, Lucasfilm, Disney, Star Wars, they said, after 2015, going forward, any story that we tell, whether it's in a book, a TV show, a movie, or a comic book, or (laughs) a Disney World experience, or a video game, or anything, like, with some exceptions, of course, like maybe the Lego stuff, but... Anything that we put out, you can consider that all in the same continuity. Like, we're in control of everything that's being pumped out the doors of Lucasfilm and Disney. You can call that all part of the same story. Uh, that can't be said about everything that came out before before they bought Disney, because it, it was a bit of a mess. Like, there was some level of continuity that people stuck to uh, before 2015. But I think they said only the stuff that George Lucas had a hand in. So, the original six movies, the... Clone Wars, Rebels, that that stuff stays canon, but everything else kind of, they label it as legends. So maybe this happened, maybe it didn't. From a certain point of view, maybe it did. Um, it's a legend being told throughout the galaxy. It's the way that I think about it. So in 2015, they came out with two big comic runs, one called Star Wars that followed Luke, Leia, Han, Chewbacca, like all of our main characters, and one called Darth Vader that followed... Darth Vader right after episode 4. So all these comics took place after episode 4. They kind of crossed over a couple of times. They take place concurrently. Boba Fett is one of those characters that kind of comes uh, between the two. Like he'll I think he was in the first issue of Darth Vader. Then he's in the Star Wars run for a little bit. Then he comes back. If you're interested in the whole comics history, I just did an episode with Hyperspace Heroes on their podcast um, talking about just Star Wars comics in general and I gave the full history. So Little plug for that show, Um, search them up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, um, and on on Twitter as well. They're at Brown Squadron if you want to find out more about their show. I I appeared on their show, had a lot of fun, it was a good time. Boba's first canon comic appearance was in the Darth Vader 2015 run. Uh, This was written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador Roca, colored by Edgar Delgado, and lettered by Joe Caramagna. So, like I said, this takes place right after Episode 4. Vader's in trouble with the Emperor for getting the Death Star blown up, and he wants to take out his anger on the kid pilot who blew it up. Uh, so he's hunting him down, he goes to Tatooine, he, he knows the kids from Tatooine somehow, he goes to Jabba and says, I'll give you I'll give you two hunters to help find the pilot. And Jabba gives him Boba Fett and Black Kersantan. This is the first comic appearance of Black Kersantan. It's really exciting. Uh, the clues that Vader gives to Boba and Kersantin are Obi-Wan Kenobi and Millennium Falcon. That's that's like all he knows from A New Hope, original Star Wars. He knows that the kid was traveling with Obi-Wan Kenobi and that he was on the Millennium Falcon. So he's like, that's all I got? I want him alive. Boba's on Luke duty. Kersantin, I think, is doing another job for Vader. But um, I think he ties in with that story a little bit. I think Santee's going to spy on Palpatine's new BFF. Uh, he's creating... like replacements for Darth Vader. That's what we're supposed to think. Uh, it's a whole thing. Uh, but this meeting that they have, that Vader has with Boba and Kersantan, it's occurring in a burning Tuscan village. So Vader had just killed a bunch of Tuscans. That's what he does every time he goes to Tatooine, apparently. And Boba's sitting there smelling the the, the burning Tuscan flesh that, that he had to smell in uh, the Book of Boba Fett. So at this point, Boba has no connection to the Tuscans that we know about. So maybe he's used to used to this gruesome reality of Darth Vader, but looking back on it after the Book of Boba Fett, it's, it's kind of sad that uh, Boba's has been witnessing the, the massacre of the Tuscans firsthand, even before he was uh, brought into their tribe. Like I said, this Darth Vader run crosses over with the Star Wars run quite a bit. So in uh, issue number four of the Star Wars run, which was written by Jason Aaron, art by John Cassidy, colored by Laura Martin, and lettered by Chris Elipulos, Sounds Greek. It's a cool name. Uh, we open up in Mos Eisley with a stranger that's offering an award for Han Solo. Um, so is this Boba Fett without his armor? These Rodians, uh, so Greedo species, try to rob the stranger, and then the stranger says, Knees. And a voice-activated scatter blaster under the table kneecaps all of these Rodians. Uh, like, oh, they're all the rage on Nar I guess you boys on Tatooine don't have these things yet. The, stra- the stranger then hires the Rodians to find Han with no reward. If they fail, they'll die. Han Solo belongs to me. Uh, these Rodians bandage up their kneecaps and are accosted by a second bounty hunter. Tell me what you know about a man called Kenobi. And it's revealed to be Boba Fett asking the questions because Boba's looking for Kenobi at this point. Vader just hired him. Why would he be looking for Han? But at first you're like, it's kind of playing with you. Like, oh, looking for Han. This is totally Boba Fett. Like maybe out of the armor and in, in a cloak or something. But no, we have a brand new bounty hunter type character that we'll see play out in the Star Wars run. And it's a pretty interesting um, connection to the original trilogy's cast of characters that uh, I won't spoil on this episode. Hearing Boba say Kenobi, I also had the thought, does he remember Obi-Wan when Obi-Wan showed up all wet at his home on Kamino and uh, sparked this series of events that would eventually lead to his father's death? Maybe he holds a grudge, who's to say? I want Baby Boba Fett and Obi Wan Kenobi, the Disney Plus show. Thank you very much. In issue number five, uh, Boba's out looking for uh, Skywalker. He's slaughtering Rodians, which we saw Jawas, moisture farmers, in the search of this pilot. Um, I kind of had a similar thought of you know Anakin in Attack of the Clones, speeding off on Tatooine, going to talk to the Jawas, saying, "Where can I find the Tuscans? that took my they took my mother." Um, But he's not slaughtering the Jawas. I think that's a difference. He even got Duel of the Fates playing when he's on the speeder. He's in kill mode, but he's not killing innocent. I mean, he's killing children at the Tusken camp, but he's not killing the Jawas. Boba Fett is killing everyone he comes across. Boba Fett is a a cold-blooded killer who worked for the Empire. Boba Fett's way more ruthless in these canon comics than he was in the Legends ones. I've been talking about it for my first two Boba Fett comic episodes that he's not as ruthless as everyone made him out to be. I have to take that back after reading some of this canon stuff. Uh, it's really interesting that there's this character that's existed in comics that, yeah, he's he's a bad guy. He'll kill you if you cross him, but he'll leave you alone if you, if you don't cross him, to let's make him a really bad bad dude that's killing everybody, and then let's make a show about like humanizing him, which is really interesting that that's the trajectory that they went with. And maybe it was planned, maybe it wasn't, but maybe it was just for that shock value of, like yeah, this experience with the Tuscans, with the Sarlacc, really changed Boba Fett's life. Anyway, then Boba goes to the cantina, the Mos Eisley cantina. Uh, nobody tells him who Kenobi was with, um, and then a patron runs out, and Boba beats him up until the the kid says, Skywalker, he used to hang out at Tashi Station with Biggs, and we called him Wormy. Uh, we? Is this Fixer? Is, this, this is what I thought when I first read it. Like, is this Fixer? Like, oh, he's maybe too young, but... Yeah, it could be like he was at Tashi Station too with Biggs and Cami, and uh, but no, this this guy gets all his teeth beaten out of him and uh, killed by Boba Fett, so he can't be the same character that we saw in uh, the book of Boba Fett in Tashi Station. So Fixer, I probably talked about it then, and you have probably heard from other people, but he was in like the deleted scene from A New Hope, so everyone's been looking out, keeping their eyes peeled for Cammy and Fixer all this time, and uh, waiting to see Tashi Station on screen. We then flash to Luke, and Luke's defending Kenobi's hut from Tuskens. He's looking for something, anything, like answers about Obi-Wan, the Jedi religion. Um, this is right after Episode 4. Like, he just saw Obi-Wan die. He wants to know more about the guy that started teaching him about the Force. Then Boba swoops in, flashbangs the, the place. Luke can't see. Issue 6, we have a big fight between Luke and Boba. We get funny quotes. Your armor's noisy, so is your mouth. Uh, Boba's on top of Luke with a lightsaber at one point, and R2-D2 kicks a package that Luke had found that that said, for Luke, in Ben's hut. Uh, he, <laughs> R2-D2 just yeets this package at Boba Fett's helmet, and it knocks him out somehow. In the process of this fight, Obi-Wan Kenobi's hut was destroyed, so if we grow to love it in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, know that it doesn't uh, survive that long. Um, maybe it's still mostly intact. Uh, the damage is not too bad, uh, but... At least there was like a rocket shot through the ceiling, so we're going to need some work fixing it up. The package that R2-D2 kicks at Boba Fett's head and is addressed to Luke is called the Journals of Ben Kenobi. which The Journals of Ben Kenobi come to be a big part of the Star Wars mainline comic run. Like Here and there you'll just get these one-shots of Luke reading from this book, and it's a story about Obi-Wan rescuing Uncle Owen from Black Santin just one day on Tatooine. Like, they're just little one-shots. I think they're all collected in a trade paperback that you can go out and buy, rather than digging through all the Star Wars comics. I would recommend that, and I'll probably look at them before uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus show comes out in May. And maybe there's a comic miniseries starting up again just about Obi-Wan Kenobi's life before um, the, the Kenobi show starts, and... I'd like more entries from that journal. like, And that's probably what that's going to be. Um, I also want to know why the Obi-Wan show is called Obi-Wan Kenobi and not The Journals of Ben Kenobi. I think that would be really cool, and that would really mesh well with The Book of Boba Fett. But maybe not. Um, I, I just, yeah, I think... How can I say this nicely? I think Star Wars or Disney... Um, things were dumb sometimes and they need their shows to just be the name of the character like the book of boba fett says his full name but i feel like the journals of ben kenobi would do the same thing i just i don't know i don't like the the latest like names for their series like on star wars you have andor and you have ahsoka like give me a cool name i don't know and unlike the marvel side like they're just the name they're just names of characters now it's like hawkeye moon knight she hulk like I get that that's how comics are generally written. They'll have the name of the character on them, but it just... Maybe it makes more sense for Marvel. But for Star Wars, I'm just like, yeah, I want I want something cool like The Phantom Menace. Like something really out there. I, I don't know. That might just be me. So after issue six of the Star Wars run, um, Boba now has beef with Luke Skywalker and R2-D2 because R2-D2 was the one that knocked him out. So if uh, they were to have met in... Uh, book of Boba Fett I think that would have been the end of poor uh, R2 so that's the end of Boba Fett's appearances in the Star Wars mainline 2015 comic and then we see him circle back around with Darth Vader in issue number six Dr. Afra, a big character in Star Wars comics in general uh, who debuted in this Darth Vader 2015 run notifies Vader of a message from Boba about the boy uh, Boba tells Vader that he lost him but he gives him a name, Skywalker, and then Boba leaves. So, Vader just heard the name Skywalker for the the first time in years. And this is one of my greatest, or, like, my favorite comic scenes uh, that Star Wars has put up. It's Vader just staring out the glass, looking at the Imperial fleet, and he starts, like, reflecting on Padme and and his children, and he vows that the kid will be his, it will all be his. It's him hatching the join-me plan right after episode four. And as he's doing all this reminiscing, the glass in front of him starts to crack, and it just, like, I don't know, just, it's a beautiful comic art of just Vader staring out a window with just cracked glass in front of him. Yeah, it's a, a really powerful scene that I think they showed in both the Star Wars and Darth Vader runs in the comics, because they were just so proud of that art, it was really cool. This next Boba Fett appearance is not in, like, the Marvel comics that are canon, it's in these kids' comics that I think also are canon, but... They're a little more cute, aimed for kids, called Star Wars Adventures in 2017. So in that 13th issue, there was a secondary story called Blue Brothers by Nick Brokenshire. Uh, Boba Fett is in this, and that's why it was flagged for me, but uh, he's just in the background of some scenes. But I want to talk about it anyway, because it's about Max Rebo of the Max Rebo Band. He's going for a nice stroll. Uh, But then people start chasing him, saying, give give me back my money, creep. Uh, And then his brother swoops by on a speeder bike and grabs him by the snout, throws him on the back, saves him. His brother's name is Azul. Uh, that sounds like a fake name. I've heard that he has a brother named Doug. So I think this is Doug Rebo grabbing him by the snout and throwing him on the back. Max fears for their lives. If Jabba finds out that he's stealing on his turf, their Sarlacc food. Uh, Max throws the stolen money off the speeder, makes it rain for Mos Espa. So we talked through the Book of Boba Fett. Is Boba going to somehow make it rain on Tatooine with all this talk of water? No. Max Rebo's already made it rain. Jabba spares their life, uh, both of them, because... He's, he's family to his loyal jizz whaler, Max Rebo. Um, so Azul, Doug, is punished by wearing the R2-D2 drink tray hat on his head at, at a sail barge party. So it's a nice cute story that Boba Fett's in the background of. When Jabba shows up, there's Boba, but I wanted to talk about it. The Boba Fett one shot was written by Greg Pak, colored by Niraj Minan, covered by Terry and Rachel Dodson, art by Mark Laming, lettering by Travis Lantham. Starts off by saying, criminals across the galaxy tremble in fear at the mere mention of the name Boba Fett. Which is true. We've seen it in the book of Boba Fett. He says, I am Boba Fett. And little bunny droids just turn themselves off out of fear. We start on the planet Carajam. Boba comes in on a robotic horse-like, maybe a fathier design uh, from The Last Jedi, the space horses, with a rebel pilot draped over the back. So everyone that he passes on his way back to like deliver the bounty. terrified. There's another bounty hunter that's broken the guild code. He's worked with the rebellion. He sees Boba Fett passing by and he's like, okay, I gotta bounce. Uh, But Boba doesn't go after him. Uh, Boba brings this bounty back, gets paid, picks out his next bounty, and he sees the guy that was outside. He's like, oh, I'll pick up that bounty. Uh, This guy's name is Zingo, if I didn't say that already. Uh, Zingo's booking it, looking to cross the desert to meet the Zan sisters. The Zan sisters were mentioned in Solo by uh, Val or Tobias Beckett uh, around the campfire they're like oh we, we could have hired the Zan sisters Zingo's got to cross the death planes and he doesn't have enough water so he shoots his buddy and takes his canteen so then that way he has enough water to cross the death planes uh, but Boba finds the guy that Zingo left to die and he gives him some water um, just to get info on where Zingo went and then leaves him presumably just leaves him out in the desert so the guy probably still dies but he showed him a little bit of kindness zingo finds a town and then strings up and like yeah strings up these villagers kills some of them um boba fett gets to play the hero and you know it's boba versus zingo and zingo's clearly the bad guy written out in this comic like boba's hunting him but this guy he's worked with the rebellion but he's willing to enslave a town like okay zingo tells boba that he broke the guild code because the empire refused to pay the bulletin said dead or alive wanted alive only apparently when he showed up with a dead bounty it's just funny that the empire doesn't know what they want it's kind of like in mandalorian when the client is like when he's when he's telling mando about grogu and he's like yeah dead or alive and then the, the guy next to him the dr pershing's like no, no we need him alive like the empire doesn't know what it wants it's funny um so zingo at this point he had no money he had debts so he had to poach a gig from another bounty from another bounty hunter so that's how he crossed the guild so the guild code is really interesting there's a whole book that lucasfilm published about the guild code i'd love to review it on the podcast but wait till we get more bounty hunter content hopefully later this year boba kills this guy saves the town but zingo's last words are he's saying if boba ever breaks the the guild code uh, other bounty hunters will come for him too didn't necessarily see that i don't know if that's exactly foreshadowing anything like has boba been shafted by the guild not that we've seen maybe this was an old story thread from when boba and mando were going to be the same person i think when the mandalorian was being developed originally if you look at the concept art that character looks a lot like boba fett i think what they wanted to do was oh, let's tell a story about boba fett like he, he delivers this bounty, he's this ruthless bounty hunter just like Mando was, and then he finds Baby Yoda and he grows a heart. I think originally they wanted that to be Boba Fett, but maybe this story was from a time when that was still going to happen. So after Boba kills this guy, the villagers are applauding and they thank Boba all the way back to the bounty station. They're like running up next to his big horse thing. A citizen asks Boba to take out the ancestors. They've terrorized the town for years. You hunt bad men, murderers, criminals? And Boba says, I hunt bounties. So Boba, at this point, is showing a little bit of a heart. Like he saved a town, he gave that guy some water, but he's not going to go be a hero. He's not going to be Mando going and helping a town fight off some raiders just for free. No, he hunts bounties. The next story is from The Age of Republic. This is the Django Fett story called Training it's by Jody Hauser, art by Luke Ross, colored by Hava Tartaglia lettered by Travis Lantham, covered by Paulo Rivera. Django's hiring a crew of Nobody Bounty Hunters. He's taking Boba along, and Boba's complaining, Why can't we work with Cad Bane? Oh, that's not Boba Fett. Impro- Let me try that. Dad, Don here. Why can't we work... Oh, boy. Why can't we work with Cad Bane or Sing or Zam Wessel? And because you know them. That was Obi-Wan Kenobi. I gotta start all this over. <clears throat> this won't make it into the podcast. Django's hiring a crew of nobodies, and he takes Boba along. Uh, why can't we work with Cad Bane, or a Sing, or Zam Whistle? Because you know them. Django wants to teach Boba about the unknown factor, about working with strangers. It took Django a long time to build his reputation, to get the jobs that he wants. Young bounty hunters like Boba need to be busy. They need to have a lot of credibility, work up uh, to, to being the best, like, like Django is. In this one shot, we also get a flashback to when Dooku, or... I was hired by a man called Tyranus on one of the moons of Bogdan, uh, when Dooku slash Tyranus hires Jango. And Dooku wants Jango for two reasons. One, because of his reputation for skill and discretion, so kind of what Jango's trying to build with Boba. And two, because he's a human. There are other good bounty hunters out there, but Dooku's like, no, you're a human. That's why I want you. So I think I talked about this a little bit on the last Boba Fett comics episode, but the Emperor and the Empire, they're racist. Like, they only want humans in their organization. That's why in the original trilogy, you only see, like, old white British men operating the Empire. Like, um, obviously, I think they get a little bit more diverse in, like, current continuity and then in the sequels. But it's still mostly humans working for these fascist organizations, which is really interesting. So, in return for these clones that Django's going to provide for uh, Darth Tyranus, he demands one thing. Boba. Which, if, if you've seen The Bad Batch, uh, it's interesting that he only demanded one. You'll know what I'm getting at there. So the job is bringing a father back to her father. Uh, it's kind of messing with Black's son a bit, another criminal syndicate in the Star Wars universe. Boba and these hunters try. The daughter ends up falling off a ledge. Django catches. Um, the hunters try to hostage Boba during this to steal the bounty from Django. Boba kills the guys who attacked him, like little kid Boba's stabbing him, uh, but spares the other, because the other one that didn't attack him, because he didn't seem aware of the betrayal, and he wants him to go tell other bounty hunters what happened, so Boba's already thinking ahead. He's thinking, how can I build my reputation? Then we flash back to Kamino. The The job is over. This is kind of the last couple pages of the comic, but it's Django walking around with the Kaminoans, just looking at the clones, and... They're like, oh, look at these creations of yours. Like, the Kaminoans are saying this to Django, like, aren't you proud? And he he says, no, I'm not proud of livestock bred bread as cannon fodder. These are Kaminoan creations, not mine. Like, his relationship with the clones is really interesting. Like, they are Django Fett, and he's training them for them, I think, a little bit. They haven't really confirmed that in canon, but I think he's had a role in, like, creating them as soldiers. But no, these are Kaminoan creations. They're not mine. He's completely segmenting that part like of his brain. He's like, nope, they're not. They're not mine. Then he goes to his room. Boba's in there, and he says, "A father cannot ask for a better start for his son's legacy." So, Jango and Boba. I love all these Jango and Boba stories. They're so cute. In our last one-shot, we have the Jabba the Hutt, uh, Age of Rebellion one called "Great to Be Jabba." This was also by Greg Pack. Uh, the art and color was done by about 300 people, so I'm not going to list them all, lettered by Travis Lantham. starts out on Canto Bight. All these rich people are drinking something called the Tuscan Wind. comes from only one source on Tatooine. Then we flash to Jabba and the Tuscans. The Tuscans come to Jabba with complaints that the Jawas and Imperials are raiding their sacred sites. Jabba initially refuses. The Tuscans get really ang- angry. Then Boba step- steps out, and the Tuscans stand down. So... The Tuscans know who Boba Fett is, which is interesting. They know who he is in the armor. I wonder if they know if when he is with them in the book of Boba Fett if they recognize him without the armor. They probably don't. Which makes it really interesting because if he had his armor when the Tuscans found him, like maybe he would have been treated differently. Maybe they would have killed him. Maybe they would have left him to, to die in the sands and not nursed him back to health. And it really adds to the story that Boba Fett has to rebuild his entire reputation. After the events of Return of the Jedi, he, without any armor, has to earn the trust of the Tuskens, build his gaffy stick, become one of them, and then he has to track down his armor uh, from the Mandalorian and Cobb Vanth without the use of that armor. So he has to become become something else, which is always something I really like. So Jabba ends up agreeing that the Tuskens, like, he'll, he'll help them. Uh, these rich folk then show up asking for the Tusken wind. Uh, Jabba... Downs the last of it, like, in front of them, and says, scram. Uh, And then on their way out, Bib Fortuna informs them that it's sacred to the Tuscans. They won't sell it. Stealing it could cause a war. Uh, And then Jabba overhears this and adds, Don't ambush them and steal it during... Um, This is not a Jabba the Hutt impression. Jabba overhears this and says, Don't ambush them and steal it during their night prayers at High Moon on the Great Dune. Don't you even think about it. Um, so basically he's telling them, like, yeah, this is how you could steal it. The, the Richies scheme about it. The Jawas end up overhearing. The Imperials overhear the Jawas. So all of these factions that really want this Tuscan wind, this wine created by the Tuscans, are all going to this great dune. And they had kind of a standoff when they get there. Uh, the Jawas brought some super battle droids, and they're all pointing guns at each other. Um, and then they shoot each other. And there are survivors, but Boba Fett's there to snipe them and pick them off. And the Tuscans bring all these bodies back to Jabba. So the Tuscans and Jabba had an alliance. They prayed, they paid tribute to Jabba with the wine and Jabba protected them in a way. Things could have been worse with Jabba as the Daimyo of Maspa. Maybe things just got really bad with Bib Fortuna, and that's why, you know, the trains started coming through shooting at the Tuscans, but I would guess that the Tuscans just weren't aware that the the Daimyo, Jabba or Bib or Boba, whoever it is. I don't think they understood that, yeah, that's connected with the guy that sits in that palace. So maybe Jabba had this alliance with them, but was still, you know, being a, a jerk on the side, killing them off the side of trains or allowing the Pikes to do that. So I really wish we would have seen like kind of a conclusion to Boba's relationship with the Tuscans, which maybe we didn't need it, but maybe Boba like bringing them, giving them a seat at the table, like when they're having that big dinner, like, thank like, you oh, and they need foot soldiers, maybe let's bring in the Tuscans. I can see why he wouldn't want to bring in the Tuscans, like he's already gotten one tribe killed, so why bring in more? But I think we, we do see a lasting impact of Boba's relationship with the Tuscans. Like in the Mandalorian, all of a sudden you have to trade with the Tuscans to get across their land, that's a new concept. Boba Fett kind of empowered them a little bit to, you know, stand up to the people that cross their land. So when this train comes by, instead of running and hiding, you know, take it down and demand payment, Don't don't kill us. Not saying that the Tuscans couldn't do that themselves, but like having Boba there to like say, yeah, this is wrong. Like, I've been a lot of places. This doesn't happen. You guys own this, the sand. You know, every grain of sand on this planet. Like, you guys are entitled to this. And the Tuscan chief ultimately agreeing, like, yeah, let's put our foot down. So I don't know how the whole Tuscan um, governance works. Like, does this Tuscan clan communicate with other Tuscan clans because it, it wasn't the same clan doing the hand signals um, and trading with Boba and, or trading with Mando and Toro Calican in the gunslinger episode of the Mandalorian. I think there is some legacy there but it's interesting that we didn't get more of a tied up loose end with the, the Tuscans. So now I'm going to bring us into 2020. Uh, if you're tangentially aware of star wars comics you'll know that in 2021 there was a big boba fett crossover event called war of the bounty hunters which was really really fun and i plan to talk about that on my next episode because i think i can go into that for a while because that's like a big crossover event where all of the comics which are the star wars mainline comic that got rebooted in 2020 the darth vader one that got rebooted in 2020 dr afra and then a new comic called bounty hunters uh, that started in 2020 they all kind of intersect and have this great story that involves an auction for Han Solo's carbonite body uh, because Boba doesn't just take it straight from Cloud City to Tatooine to Java. like there's detours along the way it's a game of hot potato it's really fun um, but yeah I'll save that for another episode because I think I could go uh, a lot deeper into that because there are so many comics that touch it. But we have one more Boba Fett story uh, from 2020, and that's in this Bounty Hunters comic that I just talked about. So in issues 1 through 5, Boba's like kind of the villain of the series. The Bounty Hunters comic is written by Ethan Sachs. Art is done by Paolo Vianelli, lettered by Travis Lantham, colored by Arif Prianto. We open up on the Unbroken Clan Syndicate on Corellia. This is in a past timeline. They're getting taken out by hunters who are supposed to be Enjoying a truce with the other gangs of Corellia, so they're like, oh, why are we getting attacked? We're supposed to be at, on a truce. These hunters are Bosque, Nakano Lash, who's like a Kit Fisto um, Nautilin species, so like she can breathe underwater. She's pretty cool. Then there's Boba Fett and Valence. If you're unfamiliar with Valence, he's Star Wars Terminator. He's like half man, half machine. He's really cool. So we get to see this crew. They're doing a job alongside their client. Like we learn later that it's like a escort. Not escort. That sounds like something else. But like they're they're just escorting escorting this client on an assassination mission of theirs. So like they're working for another syndicate. This this guy is going to assassinate a member of the Unbroken Clan, and they're all there as just protection and support. Then we kind of. Are missing some information and it'll get revealed throughout the course of the comic. But Lash ends up killing the client that they're all working for the the Kit Fisto species lady. Boba gets pissed. Oh, she she got us all killed. I'm going to make sure I return the favor. Uh, so all of these bounty hunters are pissed. Uh, Valence we get a bit more with him. He's not as pissed. He's kind of the the hero of this bounty hunters run. Like. The bounty hunters 2020 comic series is valence story and you get appearances from other bounty hunters like boba fett and bossk and dengar and all them but he's kind of our good guy so he's not like trying to kill lash this whole time but then we flash forward to the future and lash has returned so this has been years that lash was missing and boba never got her Uh, a bounty hunter that died on that fateful mission uh his sister tonga Here's Lash is back, and she leaves her wife, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm, I gotta go kill her. She killed my brother, so I'm I'm gonna go kill Lash." Bosk is in a bar whining about Han uh, getting captured by Boba instead of him, because this is now after the events of Empire Strikes Back. He sees a Wookiee walk in and says, "Oh, the scorekeeper is smiling on me after all." The scorekeeper—that that's an interesting concept. Uh, that maybe the, the Trandocean religion is like. Somebody in the sky keeping score of all the kills that the Trained Oceans have made. Pretty cool. The bartender begs Bosk not to fight, but Bosk gets up and... I, I promise, uh, you'll have a new rug. Because he's going to kill this Wookiee and uh, give him a rug. It's a fun fight. Uh, Dr. Afra kind of pulls a gun and st- stops a fight between a Wookiee and Bosk. Uh, and this Wookiee ends up being Black Kersantan, so... Uh, you see a big cool fight on the comic pages between two big bounty hunter characters and nobody dies. But it would have been really fun to see uh, a rematch, uh, maybe in Book of Boba Season 2. Who knows? But Afra's is able to stop the fight by saying, Hey, Bosk I know where you can find Lash. So Boba's bringing Solo to Jabba, and then he hears Lash uh, is back. And then he turns around, tells his bounty giver, Yeah, you can keep the credits. I'm doing this for free. Like, this is personal. So... Maybe Boba would have gotten his bounty to Jabba on time if uh, Lash hadn't shown back up. So, more of the bounty hunters, we have Lash to thank. So, thank you, Lash. Then we get a Lashback, a flashback about Lash. Uh, Lash and the crew are conspiring in a bar. This is, like, before the whole mission, like, how that whole team got started. We don't need to go into a lot of detail because this... I'm kind of telling this from the Boba Fett perspective. Uh, I might cover this whole comic in more detail if I ever do, like, a valence... Skinny. There ends up being this graveyard planet uh, where this is how Valence finds Lash because he's like, oh, he has a good relationship with Lash. She was like his mentor. It's like, okay, this is where her parents are buried. I'll go here and look. Uh, Bosk also somehow gets there and uh, they have a big fight. Valence wins and then leaves Bosk cuffed to a like a gravestone. Boba shows up later and beats the location out of Bosk. So Boba's now on the hunt. He knows exactly where he can find Lash because Valence and Bosk knew. We learn that Lash is traveling with a young girl. Um, This thispian bounty hunter tracked them down first somehow. This character that's kind of been in the side of all these panels. Thispians are like the big snake species. There was a Jedi Master in the prequels, I think. Maybe only in The Phantom Menace, but Apollorancissus, he's just a big old snake guy with a beard. Uh, Another one of his species uh, finds Lash first. But they end up killing this hunter and uh, escaping. So they they flee into space. There's, like, wreckage from the Clone Wars, like a ship battle that they're hiding out on one of those ships. Valence ends up finding them there. That Tonga character is there, and she kind of puts a restraining bolt on Valence because he's, like, half droid. So that's kind of a funny concept that you can... Well, not funny. That's slavery. But you can throw, like, a restraining bolt that you'd put on, like, R2-D2 or C-3PO. You can put it on probably somebody like Darth Vader. Uh, since he's half man, half machine, and maybe he's uh, restrained and can't do as much. So Valence, he ends up getting broke, he breaks free from this restraining bolt, and he tells Tonga what went down. He that, That's when we get the full story, so about why Lash killed the client on this mission back in the day. Uh, this Maybe this serves as like a trigger warning, because th- this comic has gotten a lot of criticism about how it treats women and i I, I, yeah i should just give a little trigger warning because uh there's some some violence that is uncomfortable and probably shouldn't be in comic books for children but what happens on the job is lash killed this client because the client was going to kill a pregnant woman uh because it was like a a star-crossed lover situation where he was in one clan she was in the other clan and she got pregnant and he's like well we this can't get out. Um, so Lash sees what he's gonna do, kills him first, and then helps the pregnant woman escape. The child, so the child that uh, Lash is traveling with now is is that uh, is the daughter of this pregnant woman who died in childbirth. I I don't know. I think maybe there was trauma or injuries sustained from this fight. Um, Boba was even like sniping at them. I don't know if he hit. Yeah, it, it was uncomfortable, but I guess that's good reason why Lash would have ruined the job back in the day. Like, yeah, they were going to kill a pregnant woman, I had to step in. Yeah, so Lash actually had a history um, with traumatic experiences involving pregnant women. Her mother, uh, they were just, it was like her mother and her father. Her mother was pregnant, and they were having, like, a picnic or something, and then these air-breathing extremists, so on her planet, I guess... They were persecuted for being able to breathe underwater. Um, Like, attacked her, and I guess, I I don't know if they killed her mom or if they just took her, but there's definitely violence, and it was uncomfortable. Uh, Lash escaped. Mom didn't. And then she was taken in by slavers. So, that's how she came to be part of the underworld, I guess. She kind of was traded, and... Yeah, eh, it's just nasty stuff. Uh, Then we get a cool Boba versus Valence fight. So, Boba doesn't care for story time. Boba shows up. Shoots Tonga. Like, I, th- I think Tonga survives, but in this comic, it looks like she's dead. Boba just shows up. I don't care for story time. Valence defends Lash. Um, Boba's like, You picked the wrong side, droid. And wraps an electrocharged whipcord around him. So it's a fun fight, but Boba's definitely the villain in this scenario, which it's kind of refreshing to see like a pure Boba Fett villain story when all of his comics and legends are kind of like, are all of the, like Boba Fett co- colon something comics are like him as the protagonist he's getting a bounty like you know he's a bad dude but you're following him you kind of understand his motivations this one just he's he's a jerk and you want valence to beat him up boba takes down valence and then he's fighting lash boba's angry that lash damaged his reputation nobody does that and lives the unbroken clan shows up they hacked valence's eye or something they start blowing up the ship that everyone's on boba flees Uh, The finale's nice. There's a cute moment between Valence and Lash. Lash is like trapped under some rubble, and Valence is like thanking her. Like he wants to save her, like she saved him back in the day because she was his mentor. But she convinces him to run and save the kid. So, this this little girl that has been traveling with Lash, Valence is now the, the protector of, and they go off into the sunset and run away from the Unbroken Clan. But the Unbroken Clan knows that people escaped, so that ends up being, like, the through, like, the big villain for the Bounty Honors comic is this Unbroken Clan is always after him and always after this kid. So those are the Boba Fett comics of, I guess, the 2010s and 2020. Um, to get more on the 2021 stuff, stay tuned for my next episode. I'll probably put it out within a couple days here since I'm doing my binging on the Boba Fett comics. I've read all of them. I've read, I think now I can say I've read all of the Boba Fett comics. This War of the Bounty Hunter stuff I read like months ago, so I need to refresh on it a little bit. But after I do that, we'll have part four of the Boba Fett comics series complete. Yeah, we can kind of think about what that meant for the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I feel like I understand the character of Boba Fett a lot more, but I wouldn't say that I needed to read all these comics to get that. I think the show did a really good job of kind of portraying his reputation and then how he had to rebuild it and then how he kind of came to terms with his past, uh, that past of being the son of a clone. Uh, maybe I could have liked a little bit more on how he's a clone, but maybe we'll get more of that going forward. Uh, how he was a ruthless bounty hunter, how he was you know, being digested by the Sarlacc, how he rebuilt his reputation with the Tuscans. I that whole story works for me on so many levels so i'm, I'm glad that I, I did this and got to think about things in a different way from reading these comics but yeah that'll be it uh i think like i said i'm going to start to transition into some obi-wan kenobi themed uh, episodes so if you have any requests on your favorite obi-wan content send them my way and you'll maybe get a skinny about them um some things off the top of my head there's Clone Wars Wild Space, a Legends book featuring Obi-Wan and Bail Organa that I really like. There's, of course, the, the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi or the journals of Ben Kenobi, those comics that I'd like to talk about. As well as, I think, maybe like a, a rewatch of Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones. I think all that would be good for, for that upcoming show. So that's the type of content that you can expect from me over the next couple months uh if you want to get in contact with me find me at on twitter at star wars skinny find me on tiktok at droopymccool mccool 35 find me on oculus at droopymccool mccool 35 as well be playing some beat saber on there i'd love to uh beat your high scores help me get skinnier help you get skinnier and in the next couple days i think uh, my episode uh my guest appearance on the hyperspace heroes podcast should be posted so Find me there as well, talking about all things Star Wars comics. Thanks. (laughs) mm <laughs>